Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I'm so glad that you could join us tonight for Wednesdays Together. I certainly appreciate the opportunity to be able to teach tonight. And I trust that our lesson tonight from the Word of God will challenge you. And I trust that it also will motivate you to live for the Lord, to put Him, to put him first in your life. Pastor Mel on this past Sunday preached about the danger of the drift. And my message tonight is uh, complimentary to that. And uh, the way that we can avoid the danger of the drift is by making God every day our first priority. So before we begin the lesson, why don't we pray tonight and ask for God's blessings. Father, we come here tonight so very thankful that we know you, that you've called us to yourself and that you've saved us and that you've given us the opportunity to walk with you. I pray, Lord, during this Bible study that you would anoint our ears to hear the message of the word, that you would stir us, O oh God, and give us a desire to live for you with all of our heart. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In 586 B.C., a terrible thing happened, a tragic thing happened in the land of Israel, specifically in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the, the mighty Babylonian armies uh, from the Babylonian Empire destroyed Jerusalem and razed the temple to the ground. And they carried off a great number of people who lived in Jerusalem and in Judah into exile, into Babylon. So these conquerors, the, the great Babylonian Empire, uh, they themselves, a couple of decades or a few decades later, were conquered by the Persian Empire. In 539 BC, uh, the Persian King Cyrus took control of Babylon. And one of the things that he did during the first year of his reign is that he made a decree that the Jews who had been taken in exile to Babylon were free. They could go back to their homeland and rebuild the temple. Now, uh, we know from reading scripture that it wasn't just Cyrus coming up with that idea on his own. The scripture says the Lord moved upon him uh, to do that for his people. So with the blessing of Cyrus and under the leadership of a man named Zerubbabel, thousands of Jews returned to their homeland and began to build. Uh, of course, uh, and you can imagine how uh, thrilled uh, the Jewish people were to be able to return to their homeland. Many people gave uh, a lot of money to finance uh, the project. And within two years of being back, they had laid the foundation of the temple. And it was thrilling for all of them to see the progress that was being made. And on the day that they laid or finished laying the foundation, of the temple. Uh, scripture says that the priests and the Levites took up trumpets and cymbals and began to celebrate and worship God. Uh, the people of Jerusalem began to praise and give thanks to God for all that he had done for them. And, and, and they were celebrating so loudly, uh, the sound of their praise and worship could be heard uh, for miles around the city. So it was a wonderful time uh, for the people in Jerusalem, but opposition arose to them. Samaritans and other people who lived uh, near Jerusalem at that time did not want to see uh, the nation or the Jewish nation restored, and so they very strongly opposed uh, the work. And so they tried to discourage the Jews. All the rest of the days of Cyrus, they, 
They harassed the Jews and tried to interrupt the work. And finally, they were actually able to get the work stopped altogether under a later Persian king, Artaxerxes. And so for 16 long years, uh, the work on the temple was neglected. It was not, however, and this is interesting, it, uh, it was not, however, the resistance of their opponents that ultimately hindered their work. Uh, we read in the book of the prophet Haggai that it was actually the people's own, God's people's, their, their complacency and misplaced priorities that ultimately caused them uh, to allow the work on the temple to remain undone. In Haggai chapter 1 verse 2, it reveals that at some point in this 16-year period, the people had begun to say, it's not yet time to build the Lord's house. So their, their attention had shifted from rebuilding the Lord's house to building their own houses and fulfilling their own desires and their own wills. And because they were taking that track, uh, despite what God had done for them in bringing them back from exile, uh, God sent the prophet Haggai to them. And, and Haggai came to them and he cried out to them this in, in Haggai 1, 4 through 5 and 7 through 8. He says, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. So through the prophet Haggai, the Lord rebuked uh, the people of, of Judah and he was calling them to take stock of themselves and to really consider what they had become and what they were doing. Because even though the temple the temple, the glorious temple that had been the center of the worship of the people of, of Israel, though it lay in ruins, they were content because they had nice houses to live in themselves. So God, through the prophet, called them to take the focus off of themselves and off of fulfilling their own desires and put them back on him and make it a commitment to to live for him first and to make him their first priority. So uh, the same kind of call is coming to us. Is God our first priority? And so that's what I would ask us to, to ask ourselves right now, just to be honest with ourselves. Is God uh, my first priority? Is God your first priority? Or are you and your desires and your will your first priority? You know, one of the deeply... Uh, puzzling things about about God's people, and I would include myself, of course, in this, is that we can experience blessings from God uh, that that are so great that we just shout for joy. Uh, but even though we experience something so marvelous, we later can forget. We later forget what God did for us, and we begin uh, to turn back or to live for ourselves. Have you ever realized uh, or been surprised at how quickly you have forgotten some good or great thing that God has done for you? Uh, the situation, so the situation that we see described in Haggai chapter one, where God rebukes his people for forgetting his blessings is just one more example of this very common theme 
in God's relationship with his people. We just sometimes, or we often, uh, forget the good things that he has done for us. Uh, when the Jews uh, who were in Babylon first heard Cyrus's decree that they were free to go back home and to rebuild the temple, I mean, we know, we already read how they were just thrilled and they, uh, they celebrated and they praised God for it. And no doubt in that celebration and joy and thanksgiving, they promised God, we are going to live for you. We are going to put you first. And I mean, how, how could they not do that in light of what God was doing for them? And then when they laid the foundation of the temple and were celebrating and, and rejoicing before him, no doubt they promised all the more that they were going to live for God and make him their first priority. But then life happened. You know, they, they experienced opposition. Living for him was not easy anymore. And, and well, there were a whole lot of other things that they had to get on with or had to do to get on with life. They had jobs to do. Uh, they had kids to raise, households to run, neighbors to keep up with. Uh, so they had a myriad of, of mundane and not so mundane things that filled their lives and distracted them from their devotion uh, to God and from doing his will. Now, obviously, uh, we can be just like them, right? I mean, I mean, none of us, none of us who've experienced salvation and been powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit and have received other great blessings from the Lord have ever uh, consciously set out to become distracted by life and end up neglecting the Lord. None of us set out to do that. None of us set out or, or consciously decide, hey, we're just going to become complacent uh, regarding the things of God. We're just going to become satisfied with our relationship with God, even if he isn't uh, our first priority. No, we, we never do that sort of thing. I, I would imagine um, that all of us at one point have promised God, we're going to put you first. Lord, we are going to live uh, for you. But all too often, but all too often we become preoccupied uh, with living life. And, and, and often it's with things, we get preoccupied with things that truly are important. Uh, it's not just frivolous things. And, but we get distracted and complacency toward God sets in. Well, till the Lord comes again, uh, we will be constantly bombarded with things to potentially distract us that can lead us to complacency in our relationship with the Lord. And because, because so many things vie for our attention and, and always will, uh, we have to daily make the choice to put God first. We have to daily make the choice to make God our first priority. Not ourselves, not our desires, not our will, but we have to make God our first priority. Of course, there are uh, many people and there are many things that we do have an obligation toward and, and they have to be priorities in our lives as well. Uh, but whatever, we else, whatever else we might give ourselves to must be, that it has to be secondary to our relationship with God and putting him first. It's, it's around making God our first priority. It's around that first priority that we order all of our other priorities in life. Now, this, of course, doesn't come easily. 
um, or naturally. Our flesh certainly has uh, very strong desires and wants. But here's the deal. If we don't consciously every day seek God's kingdom, we will by default seek our own. You know, our flesh is already drawn to building our own personal kingdom. And uh, it's, that natural desire is reinforced if, if we just allow ourselves to be immersed in the world's way uh, of thinking, which is influenced by the devil, which encourages the kind of life where, where, we, where we sit on the throne of our lives as Lord and call the shots and, and seek to fulfill our will. Um, but here's the deal. Seeking our own kingdom is not a minor thing. It's not something that does not have consequences. Our relationship with God is at stake. Our eternal destinies are at stake. And because the consequences are so high, uh, when we pursue a course of action where we're being distracted from putting God first, where we're putting ourselves first and making ourselves our first priority, because he loves us, because he loves us, he will discipline us uh, to try to get us to come to our senses so that we will turn back to him. And that's exactly what happened uh, to the people in Jerusalem. Uh, through Haggai, God told his people, he says, You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine, and on the oil, and on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. So they had been fulfilling their own will uh, while neglecting God's. And what this passage shows is even though they had been pursuing what they wanted, they really ended up with nothing or little uh, to show for it. And there was no coincidence in that because God says in this passage that he was actively against them and withholding blessing from them, not because he was uh, hated them or he was being cruel, but he loved them and he was doing those things to discipline them, to get their attention uh, so that they would turn back to him. Have you, ever, have you ever experienced God disciplining you to wake you back up so that you uh, would turn back to him. I certainly have. Sometimes, often actually, God has to do that to wake us up so that we can turn back to him, so that we can have a relationship with him. And so in the end, we can be saved. It's an expression of his grace. That's what his discipline is. It is uh, an expression of his grace. So tonight, consider your ways. And I, I certainly was, as I was preparing for this, it certainly made me consider my ways. And we have to ask ourselves, who am I putting first? You know, who or what is my first priority? If we persist in seeking our own kingdoms and our own desires and wills, in the end, our relationship with God 
will be broken. Um, in our relationship with God, there can only, only one of us can be Lord. Um, so if we go about, if we go about living as Lord, again, God will graciously discipline us and withhold blessing uh, to correct us. But if we do not repent, if we do not respond positively to that discipline in the end, we'll lose out with God. And I don't want that for myself. And I certainly don't want it for uh, any of you either. Uh, but so we'll miss out with him, not only now, we'll miss out on the blessings now in life, but even more significantly, we'll miss out on eternal life in his presence, which of course is the ultimate blessing. Again, nothing could be more important uh, than this since, since our eternal destinies are at stake. I don't know if you've heard of the phrase complacency kills, uh, but this, this phrase is, is frequently heard in workplaces where, where the probability of a fatal accident uh, greatly increases when an individual becomes distracted or dulled by the routine, by just going through the familiar. People can start, uh, you know, they're so familiar with something and it's just routine that they stop focusing. They just start going through the motions and end up can end up getting hurt or killed. Complacency kills. Well, how much more, how much more do we have to remain vigilant in our relationship with God? Without exaggeration, without exaggeration, it really is a matter of life and death. When God sent Haggai to the people of Judah, the good news is that they did listen. They did heed the message and they turned from building their own little kingdoms to uh, building God's temple, just like he had called them to do. Haggai 1.14 says that God stirred up the spirit of the people and they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Now, tonight, as you listen to this message, you may be thinking, listen, God has not been my first priority and I've been seeking my own way and seeking my own kingdom. If that's where you are tonight and you need to repent, then, then listen to Haggai's message. Listen to what he said. Listen to his rebuke and, and pray that God would stir up your spirit to be able to seek his kingdom first. And if you're honest with God and say, Lord, I want to seek you first, stir up in my spirit that desire. He'll do that. That is one prayer that you absolutely can be certain that he will answer. Now, the Lord Jesus had said that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us. When you hear that word seek or the phrase seek first, what does that suggest to you about uh, the kind of effort that we are to give in living for God? Um, the, when I hear that word seek, to me, it sounds like, okay, I've got to give a focused effort. Uh, to seek something, to truly seek something is, is not to go after it casually or, or haphazardly, but it's to keep your eyes focused on it and to give a maximum effort to obtain it. Um, Jesus uh, is telling us, in other words, when he says you need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that you need to get after it with all your heart. You need to put all your effort into pursuing his kingdom. Uh, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount 
in Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said this. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus says, you're going to be blessed if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. So when, when he says hunger and thirst, that somebody who does that, they're blessed, he's describing a, a, a person who who treats their relationship with God as if it is absolutely essential for life, that it's something that they have to have. Uh, I mean, do you ever happen just to forget <laughs> to eat or drink? Um, have you ever just suddenly, my goodness, it's been four days and I haven't eaten a thing. I guess I got busy. Uh, did, has anybody ever done that? Absolutely, absolutely not. Nobody does that because you know, these natural appetites, uh, they cannot be ignored. They are going to make themselves known. And most of us are going to make every effort uh, to satisfy those desires. And if we do not satisfy those desires, uh, in the end, we, of course, will die. And I would say, likewise, that we need to uh, diligently seek God daily as if our life depended on it, because it does. Our life does depend on it, our spiritual life with him. Now, when I talk about giving a focused effort and, and, and making God our first priority and seeking his kingdom first, what actually does that involve? What would that, what would that look like? Well, first of all, it's seeking to honor him above all as Lord in our lives, not just in our words, but in our deeds. It's, it's reading scripture and obeying the laws of his kingdom and allowing him to reign in our lives. If, if we're truly putting God first and making him our first priority, it's taking significant time every day uh, to seek him in prayer and to read scripture, uh, not just tacking on a little prayer in the morning before we rush out to do whatever we have to do that day, or maybe right before we go to sleep saying a short prayer. But, but it's taking time when we're fresh, when we're alert, so that we can be attentive to his voice, uh, a voice that so often is still and small, Bible, the Bible says, and one that really will be rarely heard if we're just rushing about our daily lives. Uh, to, to make God our first priority involves fasting, uh, fasting to restrain our flesh so that we might live more faithfully according to the word and by the spirit that we encounter in scripture and through prayer. Putting God first and making him our priority is consistently asking, what is your will, Lord? What would you have me to do? It's not coming to him and saying, hey, this is what I want or this is what I want you to do. Um, the Lord in Matthew 6, he, he teaches us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And the order that he lists the things to pray for is important. Uh, before we ever begin to pray about our desires or our needs, Jesus teaches us to pray this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, what Jesus is teaching us here is that it's only after we have prayed that his name would be honored and have prayed that his kingdom would come and that his will would be done. It's only after we've prayed those things that we then pray, give us this day our daily bread and begin to pray for the things that we need or that we want. 
to put God first, to make him our first priority, is asking him to search us and to reveal to us if there's anything in us that's displeasing to him. And if he reveals something to us, uh, not just to leave it alone, but to do as, as, as Paul says in Romans 8, 13, that we put that to death. Or as the writer of Hebrews says in 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, to throw off everything that, that may hinder us and the sin that so easily ensnares us or besets us. Uh, to make God our first priority is to frequently ask him to fill our hearts with love for him and for his ways. Because the reason we want to pray that is that we will only truly give ourselves to what we truly love. Uh, we will only consistently sacrifice what we want for what someone else wants when we truly love them. So we pray daily that God help me to love you, that I might give myself wholly to you. Putting God first and making him uh, our first priority is seeking to, as Jesus put it, to lose our lives in him. Uh, that's sacrificing our wills and what we think we uh, need or desire for what he wills and knows is what's best for us. And, and in losing our life in him, uh, we find in the end, just as Jesus says that we will, that in losing, we have actually gained true life. That is seeking the kingdom first. That, those sorts of things is what it means to make him our first priority. Nothing, nothing or no one can take priority over this. No relationship, no career, no education, no hobby. Um, I know sometimes life just gets crazy and just stuff is just piled on you and sometimes you may temporarily uh, make them a priority, but it never can become a pattern in our lives. We must put God first and make him our first priority. So tonight, consider your ways. Uh, is there anything consistently hindering you from seeking God's kingdom first? And if there is, if you're honest with yourself and you know that there is, then with the help of the Lord, get rid of it and allow him to be the Lord of your life. Making God's kingdom our first priority um, will not occur just because we've attended a great service or watched a great service or, or heard some great message uh, online or something like that. Uh, it's, it doesn't occur just in a moment, but it's a lifelong process that begins when we feel a call from God to do this, when we feel maybe tonight that he's drawing you through this message to make him first, that we, we respond to that and we consciously make a decision that we're going to put him first. That's how it begins. It's a decision, decision made by faith that we're going to do this. And after we make that, uh, that initial decision and commitment, that's maintained or sustained by the grace and power that comes to us through discipline, through spiritual disciplines. When we've uh, made a commitment to seek him first, um, that will be cultivated and sustained through the disciplines of prayer, uh, reading scripture, fasting, worshiping, attending service, um, those indispensable disciplines of the life, of the spiritual life. And there is no other way. That's God's plan for, for sustaining our commitment to him. In Haggai 2.19, uh, we see that God promised those in Jerusalem 
that he would bless them if they would cease seeking their own way and would make him their first his make him their first priority and rebuild uh, the temple. And we have the same promise, the same experience that we too will receive great blessings from the Lord if we make him our first priority. Now, when we talk about you know sacrificing our wills and obeying him and practicing spiritual disciplines, well, that can kind of sound a little bit negative, perhaps. But in seeking first his kingdom we receive true life. We receive precisely the kind of life that God wants for us to have, that he planned on us having, the kind of life that we'll want to wake up to every morning because we're satisfied with it. In Romans 14, 17, um, Paul says that true life in the kingdom of God is characterized by three things. He says this, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, so these three things, righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, what that refers to is being in right relationship with God. By faith, we trust the shed blood uh, on Calvary to forgive our sins, and God reconciles us to himself and brings us into right relationship with him. And then having been in, brought into right relationship with him, we then seek to live right according to his word. That's righteousness. When we have that righteousness in our life, it says it brings peace to us. Peace with God because we're now reconciled with him. That can lead to peace of mind uh, for ourselves and also helps bring peace in our relationships with other people. And having that righteousness and the peace that comes with it uh, leads to joy, not a, a temporary happiness based on you know fleeting positive experiences, but but a deep abiding sense of well-being that life truly is good, uh, it's a life that's not or a joy that's not determined by outward circumstances, but it's rooted in our relationship with God. And when I thought about that, righteousness, peace, and joy, that just, that sounds so good. And don't you want that? Don't you, don't you want the peace uh, that scripture says passes all understanding? Uh, don't you want the joy that's uh, inexpressible and full of glory, as scripture says? Don't you want those things that result from being in right relationship with God? I know I do. I, I deeply desire that from God. And I want that for you. I want that for you as well. And Jesus said this. He said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Uh, he goes on, or he says in Matthew 5, again, if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. In other words, we will be satisfied. Uh, we will not be plagued by a constant inner struggle or thought that, man, there's got to be more uh, to life than this, or we're missing out on something. No, we'll have that blessed contentment that comes from making God our priority and as a result, having the life that he offers us, a life characterized by righteousness, peace, and joy. Uh, three things that characterize our blessedness in living in the kingdom of God. The world, of course, is never going to encourage you or me to make uh, God our first priority. Relationships, sure. Uh, health and fitness, sure. Career, sure. Uh, education, sure, pleasure, sure, but God, no, the world's not going to 
encourage that and how easy how easily we can be seduced by those substitutes these these idols one day uh, a well-dressed young man ran up to Jesus and kneeled at his feet and and he just was he had an earnest look on his face and and asked the, the Lord what must I do to obtain eternal life and Jesus replied by mentioning several of the Ten Commandments and the young man he says well I, I've done all those since I was a boy well Jesus discerned that there was one thing in this man's and this young man's heart that he loved more than God. In Mark 10, 21, he says, one thing you lack, go, go your way, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. Well, that's not the answer that the young man wanted. He went away, the Bible says, grieving because because he was a very wealthy man. He was committed to God. God was a priority in his life up to a point, but his main priority was his wealth. It was, uh, not, it was uh, not treasures in heaven. It was his treasure on this earth. And when he was challenged to make God his priority, he refused. And as Jesus reflected on what happened, uh, he astonished his disciples by telling them that it was really next to impossible for a rich person uh, to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, he said it's as likely as a camel going through an eye of a needle uh, for a rich person to, uh, to enter the kingdom of God. Now, he did go on to say that uh, miracles were still possible and it was possible for a rich person to make it to heaven. It was possible, but not likely. And that miracle was only possible if that rich person chose God's kingdom over his own. And so uh, it is regarding every other thing that might uh, be given priority in our lives over God's kingdom. Uh, Peter was standing right there and heard and saw this interaction between Jesus and the young man. And, and uh, Peter rather boastfully pointed out that unlike this young man, they had given all uh, to follow the Lord. Well, Jesus kind of uh, ignored that boast, uh, but he did say, you know, Peter, whatever uh, you might give up for the kingdom of God is nothing compared to what you'll receive in return, and that all that you give up will be returned uh, to you a hundredfold now and in eternal life with him forever. And that applies to us as well. So tonight, uh, let's consider our ways. And like Peter, without the boasting, but like Peter and the other disciples, let's make God's kingdom our first priority and give all for him and give all to seeking first his kingdom. Amen? Well, why don't we pray and ask the Lord to impress this message on our hearts. Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would give us the desire, the love for you and the desire for your kingdom so that we would truly make you our first priority. Pour out your spirit on us now, oh God. Give us the strength, Lord, to please you in every way. If there are anything in our lives right now uh, that are taking priority over you, reveal that to us right now, Lord. And give us a desire to put those aside. Give us the desire and the power to do it. Lord, in all things we want to please you, in all things we want to make you the first priority. And when we do, we'll experience your wonderful blessings and in the end, life eternal with you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Well, may the Lord bless you. And keep